the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's time for the Your Personal Bank Show with Ferenc Toth. In an era of chaos, confusion, and craziness, Ferenc is a voice for common sense. As a financial literacy educator, speaker, and entrepreneur, Ferenc cuts through the noise to help us understand how current events affect our money, economy, and our freedom. Now, here's Ferenc Toth. This is Ferenc. Welcome to the Your Personal Bank Show. If you've listened to the last couple of weeks, you know that I have been very, very upset and disappointed by the debt ceiling agreement. I'm going to encourage you, if you didn't hear that, you can go to yourpersonalbank.com, listen to any of the previously recorded shows. But there's a number of reasons why I was deeply disappointed about the debt ceiling agreement because, well, it just continues record record excessive spending by our federal government, which will continue to exacerbate inflation. Now, I'm going to try to be a little calmer today. So I got a lot of responses from folks over the last couple of weeks. And interestingly, uh, many agree with how I feel and uh, get a little passionate sometimes. So nobody was upset about my passion. It's just it's uh, it's it's a little frustrating when you get upset about something and you feel like you're beating your head against the wall. If You know what I'm trying to say. And what I mean by that is these elected representatives that we have just do not well they most of them just do not listen to the people that that elect them the people that vote them in we are in a situation where i i even saw what we saw recently it was very interesting not a surprise by the way but interesting uh james o'keefe you know formerly of uh, veritas just uh released a video he's uh if you don't know james o'keefe i really encourage you to check it out because he does a lot of undercover investigative work and he released a video very recently uh, on BlackRock. Now, BlackRock is the largest investment firm in the world. They handle approximately $20 trillion of assets. Now, folks, that's a mind-boggling, that's, that's, that's unfathomable uh, amount of money. But they, they manage a tremendous amount of money for people and governments and, and institutions, and say, et cetera, around the world. And in this video... What they share is some of the people who work with uh, BlackRock share about how easy it is to bribe many of these elected officials. Like I said, this is not me saying this. You can go watch the video. It's on social media. You can find it just about anywhere. But what was interesting that about the video, I, again, I don't think it's a surprise that we have elected officials that are bribed by, by institutions like BlackRock and others to do their, do their bidding. What was surprising, in fact, this was stated in the video by the people, in essence, doing the bribing, was how inexpensive it was. In other words, they said how cheap it was to buy a politician, and as they put it, then you own them. And, you know, it's that kind of situation that seems to be far more prevalent and far more rampant in our society today than maybe even a few years ago, certainly a few decades ago. Certainly a frustrating situation for anyone who believes in fair play, 
believes in right and wrong, believes in the things, the pillars of society that we have had and lived by, well, literally for generations and generations. And a lot of what made our country and this civilization and others uh, as great and stable as they were. This whole thing about inflation and all these types of things. I've been gaining some perspective on some of this recently. I've had a lot, I've been sharing on the shows, a lot of shows about inflation and how bad it's hurting the American people and how the prices of everything are going up so much. And what I came to realize recently, I've been on a road trip uh, in the RV traveling. My show airs nationally, so we've been promoting the show around the country, meeting clients around the country, et cetera. And it's kind of interesting as I go moved into the, the for example, as we m- drove east, we left Phoenix, and uh, the price of gas, for example. Consistently, each day we were going east went down. We, in Phoenix, it was hard to find gas less than 5 bucks a gallon. And by the time we got to, uh, you know, uh, Arkansas and places like that, we were seeing $3 a gallon, uh, roughly half. And, you know, the going out to eat and different things like that, you know, the cost of purchasing things had were not as high as they were in other parts of the country. Now, I expected that. I understood that the western U.S., has, prices tend to be higher. California, of course, we all know famously prices are higher. And uh, inflation has been hitting. In fact, Maricopa County, which is the county that Phoenix is in, has had some of the highest inflation in the country over the last couple of years. Uh, Maricopa County has been averaging somewhere around 10 12% inflation per year over the last couple of years, far high, even higher than the national average. And what's interesting is I was seeing it, clients I work with, people that live there and talk to, of course, we're feeling it. And a lot of people are quite unhappy about it, obviously. I was a little perplexed until recently talking to clients around the country. Some of the others not, you know, they don't like it, of course, but not being such a big issue. And come to realize, yes, I mean, inflation has, costs of things have gone up in other parts of the country, but not as much. So, yes, it's more expensive. People don't like it, but it's not as as impactful as it is, say, in a place like Phoenix, for example. So that is helping me understand why there's maybe not quite as much of a, it's why there's maybe the impetus there, why people are not as upset as I thought they would be or should be, let's say, because their pocketbook, the erosion of their dollar, the value of purchase, the cost of purchasing things, and the value of their dollar eroding. Obviously, inflation, you know, when it goes up, it hurts a lot of people. But then again, there are some people it does help, frankly. But for most folks, the cost of things, the cost of living, purchasing basic everyday necessities, of course, go up. And when they're going up at double-digit rates, folks, it's impactful for nearly everyone, okay, unless you're really, got, <laughs> unless you're really sitting there with a, a lot of funds to work with, if you know what I'm trying to say. So, again, it's a little bit of perspective. I'm seeing that I'm seeing why maybe some people are big parts of the country are not as upset as others. And that's the differences of the rates of inflation, how much things have gone up. Uh, you know, you go into places in the southeast like uh, I've been going to recently, and, you know, the cost of things in general are lower to start with, and as in for, for sure the West Coast, obviously. And then they've gone up slower than they have in the western U.S. in general. So, yes, there's an impact, but it's not as significant. So I found that interesting, uh, again, an interesting perspective is, 
the differences that we're seeing. The other thing, though, I'm seeing as a common thread, and this is nearly anyone I talk to, whether we, you know, we're just interacting with them, having eating lunch or buying gas or just talking to them or whatever, is the general dissatisfaction about the direction, the way the country is heading. And so much of that, again, is as I was stating in the first uh, earlier in this segment where I was talking about how it just really doesn't feel like our government is representing the interests and needs of the majority of the citizens. You know, like the BlackRock video I said earlier, they're representing the interests that are paying them the most, I guess. And, you know, I'll use a great example I've shared with this about the war in Ukraine. You know, it's good for business. War is good for business. Now, that was another thing, by the way, that was interesting in this video, this BlackRock video. You know, I really encourage you to check it out if you haven't seen it. And they were talking about how war is great for business. It causes instability, causes a volatility in the market. Um, like they were saying, when there's destruction, you know, the grain prices, uh, Ukraine raises a lot of wheat. Grain prices are affected up and down. And um, so it's you know, from their perspective, it's good for business. And, of course, we know from the military-industrial complex when a lot of, you know, ammo, ammunition, for example, is being expended, that's, that's just good for business, right? And so there's certain parts of the economy that are doing well. There's certain folks that are doing well as a result, but it's not generally good for the majority or for national safety, the national security of the country, because we've seen... This, you know, even the Depart Department of Defense has come out and stated that, you know, if we were, they would not have, they've sent so much material to Ukraine, for example, that a, a large-scale war, they would be out of ammunition in some areas in as little as a week or so. Now, folks, that's scary. And to uh, put that out there publicly, that's even more concerning. I don't know why. Anyone from the Department of Defense would would announce something like that publicly, but they have. And it just makes you wonder what the priorities are. And, and I guess that's, that's the key point I'm trying to get at here is talking to clients and prospects and people who are asking me, what, what is going to happen? Where are we going? What, what sh where should I invest my money? What should I do? I mean, all these kind of questions, I'm getting asked these things really almost on a daily basis. I think the answer, it's not a simple one. It's really not a simple one. There's some certain things that I can share that are, you know, pretty basic, pretty straightforward. But again, with what's going on, there really is a lot of uncertainty about what is going to happen. And I think, and again, I'm not a pessimist. In general, I'm an optimist. But I've got to say, I can see two different scenarios going forward. One could be very good and one could be not so good. So I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to encourage you to stay tuned in the next segment because I'm going to share some thoughts on that in terms of what I see, the con general consensus, if you will, and what the leading indicators are telling us and all these kinds of things that are happening. And maybe what is, what is the smart thing to do right now in terms of, you know, what should you do with your money, for example, that type of thing. So. Again, I'm going to encourage you to stay tuned. Don't miss the next segment. And we'll jump into some of those kinds of things because it's so important, particularly in these times of uncertainty. I'm going to just say right off the bat, 
you know, diversification is going to be one key. Obviously, some guarantee safety, that's going to be another one. And having, uh, having liquidity, having access to monies to take advantage of opportunities, that's going to be a third big key to being successful in the future going forward, okay? Those are going to be true, truly important keys. So I'm going to, again, encourage you to stay tuned in the next segment. I'm going to share some ideas on what to do with that and how your personal bank can help enhance some or many of those, all of those things, actually. So don't miss it. Stay tuned for more Common Sense from Ferens. For more information, contact Ferens at 866-268-4422 or yourpersonalbank.com. That's 866-268-4422. Welcome back to the Your Personal Bank Show with Ferens Toth. Want more information? Contact Ferens at 866 866- 268-4422 or yourpersonalbank.com. That's 866-268-4422. Now back to the show with Ferentz Toth. Welcome back to the Your Personal Bank Show. This is Ferentz. So the question I'm getting asked the most often recently really does come down to what do you think is going to happen? What should I do with my money? Where should, you know, what, what, you know, what should I expect? And one of the first things I'm going to say is this. I did a show about a month ago, and I discussed a number of leading economic indicators that have been extremely accurate in terms of predicting recessions. And if you missed that show, go to yourpersonalbank.com. You can listen to that or any of the previously recorded shows. Uh, If you want an idea of Maybe what to expect. That's probably going to be one of the best shows and one of the best ideas I've shared in a while. And the key thing, the short version of it, I'll tell you this much right now. Again, go to that show for more information at yourpersonalbank.com. Is I share four or five different leading economic indicators. And some you've heard of probably and some probably not so much. But I'll use one example is the uh, bond inversion yield. It's it's where the two-year and the 10-year bonds... Typically, the 10-year bond pays a higher interest rate than the two-year because if you invest your money for a longer period of time, you usually get a higher return. That's pretty standard. You know, that's pretty standard. Most people understand that. The inversion is where it's the opposite, where the, the shorter term, the two-year, pays more than the longer term. And and when that inversion occurs, something like, and don't quote me on this here, but something like 29 of the last 30 times that happened, something along that line, there was a recession around 12, it was something like 6 to 18 months later. So in other words, it's been historically an a extremely accurate predictor or leading ed- indicator of impending recession. And I share, again, four or five of them. Some of them have never been wrong in the past. And all of those indicators, all five or six of those indicators, are pointing to towards a recession, and some of them are pointing to a pretty strong, hard recession. Now, I'm not saying they're absolutely, positively, 100% guaranteed that there's going to be a recession in the near future. No one can, no one can guarantee that. But what I am saying is all of those indicators are pointing to the same thing. Some of them have never been wrong. And for us to not be in a recession upcoming recession in the near future would mean all of those indicators would have to be wrong, some of them for the very first time. 
Now, from a statistical probability standpoint alone, the odds of that happening are extremely, extremely low. For all of those indicators to point towards a recession, yet there not be one. Certainly, the risk, the odds favor a recession and do so heavily, like overwhelming favorite heavily type of thing. Okay, so that's the first place I think it's important to to be positioned to be in. Now, I know I, I say that at a time where you t- take the, you know, recent stock market, certain parts of it have, have hit, you know, have gone up and gone up very strong for the early part of 2023, the first half of 2023. A lot of that surprisingly so from a lot of people. And then there's a lot of uh, bullish sentiment as a result. And a lot of people think, ah, the worst is over. It's going to get better. Here's a second thing I want to share with you on that. And it's, again, it's just, it's, it's just being accurate and looking at the history. You cannot forget history. Mark Twain, I think, said it best. I've said this many times. History doesn't repeat itself, but it often rhymes. And if you go back and you look at previous economic recessions and you look at the stock market, for example, is a great example to look at. Very often, most often, almost without fail, there's a period of time where the it where it comes from the all-time highs, it goes down, and then there's a significant recovery. We see that even in the Great Depression. And then the shoe drops, and it really goes down from there. The question comes down to at this point is, are we experiencing that same type of rhyming or repeating of history where we're seeing a recovery, but the shoe's going to drop and it's going to get way worse? If the markets, the economy, whatever interest rates go down, whatever happens goes bad. We'll put it that way. It goes worse. Things get worse. You're going to have your money's going to steady, consistent, keep growing. You're not going to have to worry about what if the shoe drops. What's going to happen? Your money's going to be fine. You're going to continue to grow. It also, ha- like I said, ha- has guarantees. It also happens to be tax free. A lot of people are concerned about future tax risk. I know we don't have it on the table at the moment with this latest debt uh, debt ceiling deal, but we also have record debt and increase, continuing to increase. At some point, our tax is going to be higher. Is the government going to have to raise taxes to raise more revenues to pay down the debt? I mean, economic sense, general economic sense would tell you that they would. At some point, they're going to have to. Is that going to be in a year, 10 years? Don't know. But certainly, the probability of taxes being higher in the future is very, very high, especially if, again, you go back to history. History teaches us a lot of lessons, and I'm kind of a history buff if you you didn't know that already. But we are currently in the third lowest income tax scenario in the history of our country. Now, a lot of people are surprised when I say that because the, 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 the uh, media and the politics of it all, you know, people think taxes are high. The reality is we are in the third lowest tax, income tax scenario in the history of our country. The lowest period of tax, income taxes since the income tax was introduced over 100 years ago was during the Coolidge administration. The second lowest was first-term Reagan administration, and the third lowest are currently, right now, went into effect during the Trump administration. And we're still, we're still under those tax, those tax guidelines, if you will, at this point. 
the odds are, again, you're being one of the lowest rates, lowest periods of time of taxes. Obviously, the odds are that they're going to be higher in the future. Most, I mean, that's just statistically accurate, right? And with the debt, the federal debt that we have, obviously, that further increases the odds of taxes growing, going higher in the future. Why is that so important? Well, what if you have a lot of money in IRAs or 401ks, let's say? And if you understand how those work, as most people do, when you take distributions, when you take money from those accounts, they're 100% taxable. What, is it, what are the tax rates going to be in the future when you access those monies? And the answer is, you don't know. No one can predict what the tax rates will be in the future. If you're still contributing to an IRA or 401k, you're deferring taxes in the third lowest income tax period in history, in the, in the history of the country, to defer them into and pay them when you take them out at a future unknown rate, which could very likely be higher. When you think about that a minute, does that even make sense? And when I explain that to people and I show that to them, they typically immediately get it and they realize, you're right, it makes no sense. Why am I right? Why is everybody around? Why does it seem like everybody recommends putting my money in an IRA or 401k? Well, they say that because it'll defer your taxes now, so you can pay lower, less taxes now. And then they also use the argument that your tax rates will be lower in retirement when you take it out. And my response is quite simple: How do you know that? How do you know what the tax rates are going to be in the future, especially with record debt levels now? You see when. It, when you start questioning the common mantra, if you will, and you start really looking at it and you actually start to think about things, you realize sometimes they don't make sense. You just to do what everyone else does doesn't always make sense. Now, I'll tell you this, the real reason why, why reasons, I should say, why so many people are told just to put their money into an IRA and 401k is, well, putting money away for your future in general is a good idea, and it's one way to people, it's an easy way for people to automate it. So it's better to do that than nothing. I agree with that. Secondly, if you have a company match and the company, like a 401k and they're matching, you know, free, free money is free money. So if you get the match, take the match, of course. I recommend that too. But many people I run into are contributing more than the match. And what I explain to them, them at that point is they're really building a ticking tax time bomb because you're building this bigger and bigger pop of money that it's going to be taxed at a future unknown rate. Okay. And as I stated earlier, can you tell me what the rate's going to be 5, 10, 20 years from now or whenever when you start taking this money out? And the answer, no. His answer is no, that is impossible. Okay. You see, the real reason that we're told this is, well, it's good for money managers because they can charge more management under uh, you know, money under management, more fees, right? It's good for the advisor. Okay, let's be right, fair. And two, it's good for the IRS because if they can charge taxes on a bigger pot of money down the road, potentially at a higher rate, who, who wins? Who gets more money? You or the IRS. See, the IRS wins by deferring that money to later on a bigger pot, even if you're the same rate or even lower rate in retirement, but you have more money overall, doesn't the IRS receive more funds? And the answer is, statistics show, 
in over 80% of the cases, that's the, that's is to be true. So again, when you start to think through things a little bit, you start to realize, well, maybe this isn't the panacea I thought it was. And if you, there's a book I strongly encourage you to and recommend reading. If you have an IRA or 401k, it's called The Power of Zero by David McKnight. I have nothing to do with this book. It's just the best book I've seen on tax li- future tax liability on IRAs and 401ks. And again, it's called The Power of Zero by David McKnight. You can get it on Amazon or whatever, wherever. Strongly encourage you to check that out if you have an IRA or 401k. And the premise of the book is quite simple. If they double tax rates in the future, which could happen, it's happened in the past, two times zero is still zero, isn't it? You don't care. doesn't matter. And if you want to learn how to create a tax-free bucket of money, I'm going to encourage you to contact me because your personal bank can do that. We'll talk about more, more of that solution in the next segment. Don't miss it. Stay tuned for more Common Sense from Ferens. For more information, contact Ferens at 866-268-4422 or yourpersonalbank.com. That's 866-268-4422. Welcome back to the Your Personal Bank Show with Ferenc Toth. Want more information? Contact Ferenc at 866-268-4422 or yourpersonalbank.com. That's 866-268-4422. Now back to the show with Ferenc Toth. Welcome back to Your Personal Bank Show. This is Ferenc, and in the last segment I was discussing a lot about tax liability, future tax liability in particular, on IRAs and 401ks. If you missed that segment, go to yourpersonalbank.com. You can listen to this or any of the previously recorded shows anytime you want. Again, it's yourpersonalbank.com. Challenging the conventional wisdom is often one of the keys to success if you want a different result. You know, they always say if you keep doing the same, what is it, doing the same thing over and over again is a definition of insanity, right? And if you just go and do the same thing everyone else does, you're going to probably get what everyone else gets. Now, if that's okay with you, fine. That's your choice. It's your life. It's your money. It's You're the one that's going to live with those consequences, right? But if you are so inclined to do something or want something different, better, you know, maybe not, not the same nine to five, you know, you don't want the same daily grind of life, if you know what I'm trying to say, then maybe you should consider something different is what I'm trying to say. And and what I'm getting at is that conventional wisdom of maybe putting as much as you can into an IRA or 401k to defer your taxes now may not make the most sense for you in the long run. It's worth looking at. It's worth considering. It's worth considering the alternative. And as I shared in the last segment, the if you have a, a IRA or 401k or contributing to one, you need to read the book, The Power of Zero by David McKnight. It will open your eyes to the real tax liability that you have, the future tax liability, or now if you're taking money out of it, and that most people don't even realize or consider. And there are alternatives. And as I was starting to say at the end of the last segment, one of the alternatives, one of the smartest things to do in terms of, you know, it's like, what should I do? Well, one of the smartest things to do from a tax standpoint is diversify your tax, future tax liability. How do you do that? Create a tax-free bucket of money. 
particularly if you have a good chunk or a majority of your funds in the IRA or 401k, you're in one bucket from a tax standpoint. All of that money, 100% of that money is subject to future tax liability. You have to pay taxes on it when you take it out, 100% of the money. Well, if you're in that scenario, if you're in that situation, it doesn't make sense to create a second bucket, to create a tax-free bucket, one where you could access money from it anytime you wanted, high liquidity day one, but on a tax-free basis, depending on your income, depending on how much you take out, and depending on what the tax brackets are at that given point in time, you could decide how much to access from, say, a taxable asset like an IRA or 401k versus a tax-free one. You could, in essence, control how much tax you pay. You could limit the tax liability. For example, if you were going to take a certain amount of money, it was going to cause you to jump into a higher tax bracket because of that withdrawal. If you had the option of taking some of the money from a tax-free bucket, you could take as much as you wanted from the taxable bucket up to the limit and then any overage take from the tax-free and therefore keeping yourself in a lower bracket. Does that make sense? You can decide, in essence, how much tax you pay or at least mitigate or minimize the amount of tax you pay by keeping yourself in that lower bracket, yet still receiving the income you needed, say, to supplement retirement, for example, or to purchase an item or to invest in another asset. It gives you options, folks. And options is what I like. Options is what we all like because, as I was starting to say earlier in the show, There is a lot of uncertainty right now. Are we going to have a hard recession? Are we going to have a soft landing? What's going to happen with the direction of the country? Is there going to be a digital currency that could effectively control our money in terms of how much we could spend or earn or any of those kinds of things? All of those things are on the table. All of those things may happen, could happen. Some will happen. And there's a lot of uncertainty, again, which direction this country and our economy is going to go. If you have to ask me my opinion, I would I said it to a client today, longtime client of mine, where she asked me that question. I said, frankly, I'm sitting on the fence. I just don't know which direction this country is going to go. Are we going to continue to go down the path of more government spending, more government control, more and more government, more socialism? All of those things that come with it, or are we going to, is the pendulum going to start to shift back and reverse back to more traditional economic situations and things where, you know, the Federal Reserve is not interfering in the banking and all those interfering with our economy at the levels that they have been for the past decade or so? In other words, are we going to have some more fiscal responsibility? I don't know in the next year or two, a couple of years. A lot of it's going to depend on some politically, like what administration is in charge, which party is in charge, all those kinds of things. Some of it's going to be that. And I just don't know where the American people are at, because as I stated earlier, people in different regions of this country are feeling a little differently about things, right? And we are divided. And it could go either way. It's very close, right, in terms of from a political standpoint. And I do believe this next election will have a lot to say about how 
and what direction we go and how the economics of it of this country are going to go and the regulations and all those kinds of things of course it does come down this ultimately it's going to come down to are enough of the american people fed up with the way things have been going because they're not happy with the direction the country's been going for the past couple of years in particular and are we going to revert back or not and i think i don't think we're going to see a small difference one way or the other i think the difference go, is going to be significant folks you know, I mentioned the tax situation and creating the tax-free bucket of money and creating self-options. But I think the other key uh, issue here right now going forward, stockpiling cash, okay? But not sitting on cash because the inflation's still high enough that you'd be losing losing a significant amount each year. you got to get some kind of return. So, you know, CDs have been paying better. You want shorter-term money, uh, interest rates. Your personal bank pays better than that. And you have access to like 90, 90, 90% plus of the money day one. I think it's a far more superior than, say, a CD or whatever. Because CDs, although they're shorter term, they're not as liquid as a lot of people like to, to make them out to be. If you buy a one-year CD, for example, you really can't touch the money for a year. And you have a 10-day window where you can renew it, say, to a new one-year CD. So the reality is you're only – and you'll get whatever the new rate is. So the reality is that your money is liquid on a CD about 10 days per year if you, say, bought one-year CDs, for example. And you can get six-month ones and all that kind of stuff, too. I get all that. But, again, you have about a 10-day window where the money's available without penalty. So CDs are not really very liquid, and that's why I'm not a big fan, although they're paying a far higher rate than they used to. Uh, my gosh, a year or so ago, it was hard to find 1% even at a bank, Right. Now I'm seeing people getting four, four plus, okay, at the bank. But again, it's not nearly as liquid as, as it's, you know, it's not a good liquid option. Your personal banking can get you, you know, we can get you up to 6% right now with guarantees tax-free, and you have access to 90% of the money day one or any day. You don't have to wait for, the, for it to mature, if you know what I'm saying. And I think that's a very valid thing because with the unpredictability of what, what likely or what what will happen in the future, we can't say when things will maybe take a dive for the worse or get better and opportunities start presenting themselves. Maybe you want to then take that money and reinvest it into something that you think is going to do better or you see an opportunity because things have gone so low. You say, look, I, that's too good a deal. I can't pass that up, right? We're seeing some of that already in certain areas, Okay of the economy, certain things if you want to purchase, the prices definitely are coming down, okay? And maybe there's an opportunity, something you've been wanting to buy or an investment you've been wanting to make, and you're starting to see prices you're starting to like a whole lot. Maybe you want to wait a little bit. Maybe you want to pull the trigger. My point is the personal bank allows you to make that decision if and when you want to do that. CDs don't. You have to wait till that expiration date or you pay a penalty. That's why I think the personal bank's far superior in that, okay? The liquidity aspect. So that is a again a key a key component of weathering uncertain economic climate. Because you have to be able to be quick on your feet. You have to be able to make have the availability to take advantage of opportunities quickly because things can happen really fast, especially in this world we're in today. With everything being, uh, you know, online and almost instantaneous information, people get alerts on their phones, you know, if a stock goes up or down, that kind of stuff. 
I mean, all those kinds of things. Things happen fast, folks. And so the ability to access money when, if and when you need it or want it for opportunities quickly, one of the reasons why my real estate investors love the personal bank so much, if they see an opportunity on a property, for example, uh, one of my clients calls it trigger money. In other words, he sees an opportunity, he's got a day or two to get the money, 24 hours, he can get it from the policy, access it, and get the money and take advantage of that opportunity, and then secure the other financing to, you know, to move forward afterwards. So your personal bank can do that, having that high liquidity and not moving back. At least your money's growing and not just sitting there in cash doing nothing and losing to inflation. So I'm going to encourage you to stay tuned in the next segment. I'm going to share probably the third and last key component of managing economic uncertainty. That was stability. So don't miss it. I really encourage you to stay tuned. Stay tuned for more common sense from Ferens. For more information, contact Ferens at 866-268-4422 or yourpersonalbank.com. That's 866-268-4422. Welcome back to the Your Personal Bank Show with Ferens Toth. Want more information? Contact Ferens at 866 866- 268-4422 or yourpersonalbank.com. That's 866-268-4422. Now back to the show with Ferentz Toth. Welcome back to Your Personal Bank Show. It's Ferentz. I've really uh, been discussing today some of the key components of what you need to do economically to weather economic uncertainty. As I've stated earlier in the show, I believe we are in a period of time where it's really difficult to predict what is going to happen or certainly when. The I shared earlier in the show and other shows, just about every indi- ec- leading economic indicator that's out there is predicting a hard recession. Some of these indicators have never been wrong. So the fact that we're headed to a recession, a hard one, is what the indicators are saying, all, all the indications are of that. But is this the first time where those are going to be wrong? It's certainly possible. It's statistically very improbable, but it's certainly possible. We're in uncertain times. Un, un, we, we have record debt, for example. We've never seen levels of debt like this, ever. What's that going to do? You know, we have record spending, government spending. You know, that's pumping money into the system, pumping money into the economy. How is that going to affect things going forward? It's kind of, in other words, these things that are going we have and we have record manipulation by the Federal Reserve. And, and I don't say that in a negative way. I'm saying it as a fact fact. The Federal Reserve every Wednesday on their websites, the St. Louis Federal uh, St. Louis uh, Fed told Fred their website. They publicly they publicly announce post what their total assets are and their assets that they purchase or sell week to week. OK. There is a high degree of manipulation by the world's central banks and the world's and the Federal Reserve. And they're showing it to us week by week. And it affects the stock markets, real estate markets, the economy, everything, right? Uh, some people are calling this a, a Fed market because depending on whether the Fed's buying or selling, for example, they're the 800-pound gorilla in the room, a lot has a lot to do with determining what's going on in the markets, for example. Are they going up or down? And there's a lot of truth to that. So it makes it really difficult 
not knowing what they're going to do because they seem to change their mind depending on, you know, they, they stick their finger. They're, they're like they're politicians. Let's be real. They stick their finger in, in the wind to see which way it's blowing, and then they decide to buy or sell, it feels like, sometimes. Certainly things like when the bank failures happened a few years ago. I'm sorry, a few months ago. I wish it was a few years ago. A few months ago, you know, they, they bought like a half a trillion of assets over the next couple of weeks to to create more liquidity and flood the market, so to speak, and, and uh, miti- mitigate more bank failures and panic, right? Keep things afloat. Now, of course, that might have solved the things for the short term, right? But is it good for the long term? And, lo- and what I mean by long term could be a year, could be 10 years. Don't, don't have true good answers on that. I don't think anyone does. And if they're trying to tell you that they do, I would question that. Again, I just go back to those leading economic indicators, many that have never been wrong, that are flashing red warning lights. They're flashing them hard. I've also seen a lot of corporate CEOs stating that the third quarter of 23 is going to be tough. Again, we're going to see how it plays out. Okay? Don't, you know, but I was talking about how do you weather this? You know, one of the things initially I was talking about minimizing your taxes, your future tax liability, create a tax-free bucket of money, and diversify. Diversification, not only from a risk standpoint, certainly from a risk standpoint, having some money with guarantees is important, okay? but also from a tax, future tax liability standpoint. I also talked about having liquidity, access to the monies readily, quickly, without penalty, without taxes, all that kind of stuff. Very important, particularly if you do want to take advantage of opportunities that are very likely going to present themselves. Look, when the economy gets bad, stuff gets cheaper, right? (laughs) And if there's something you want to buy, you may see an opportunity that you say, hey, I'm ready to purchase that item right now. In fact, Give you a quick example. I was looking at a truck uh, even just a few months ago, and I was considering, but at the time, decided against purchasing that vehicle at that time. Now looking again yesterday, and I can buy the same vehicle, brand new, for what I was willing, for what I was seeing the prices for them, for a two-year-old vehicle just three or four months ago. And, you know, we're, I'm seeing a lot of these kind of vehicles where, you know, they're, they're still selling brand-new 2022s because there's been a, a um, softening of, the, of that market, right? So they've got – so we're mid-2023 right now, and they're still selling 2022s brand-new because they still got to get them off the lot. I mean, it's – we're seeing things I don't know that I've ever seen in my lifetime, and I don't think you have either. Most of us haven't, Right. So it's kind of unprecedented times. It's crazy. So, again, having some guarantee, you know, diversification, as stated earlier, and having access to liquidity so you can pull the trigger, hey, this is a great opportunity. I would take advantage of it. But also the last one is having some guarantees, having some security, having have some safety, which kind of falls under diversification to a degree. But it, it creates a, a non-correlated asset, something that's not – so if you're in the stock market or real estate market, for example, this is an asset. Your personal bank is not correlated to those. It's totally unrelated. That's important. But also having some guarantees, some underlying guarantees. I believe that eventually, at some point, this country will make a turn for the better. And I mean that from a, from a standpoint in terms of financial responsibilities to uh, more, you know, 
the values that we held as a country even just a few years ago, those kinds of things making a return to becoming more of the norm again, I, be I still believe those things will happen. What I don't know, and this is the part, again, that's, that's so, so challenging, is when that transition or that pendulum is going to shift back. And the reason why I believe the pendulum, first I should say this, why do I believe we'll see a pendulum shift back? Again, I'm a big history buff. And you look at you look at previous periods of time of change and things like that, and things shift, shift when things shift quickly, like they have recently, and dramatically. You tend to get a you get a reverse reaction. You know what I'm saying? The farther, in other words, the farther this stuff gets pushed one way, the harder and stronger the reaction is going to be back. And let me use a couple of examples. In history, you know, a lot of people really question how a country like Germany, for example, as advanced as it was and all that, could get could fall for Nazism. Yet they did, and you know, for a de decade plus, you know, that country for the most part fell under that spell, if you will, of Nazism. And of course, you know, World War II and all that happened, and of course. The sh pendulum shifted hard back eventually, right? It took over a decade, though. That was that country. I don't know about this country and the people in this and how long it'll take, but I do believe that economically speaking and, and values and morals and all those kinds of things that, that have been important for this country for most of its existence I believe there's a, there's going to be a comeback and a pushback because there's enough people that like the things they were, they love this country the way it was, the society and everything else, and they want it back. And they're going to push back. They're going to push for it to go back to that. But I'm not certain if it's gotten bad enough yet for enough people. That's the real crux of the matter. Again, it doesn't take everyone. We're not going to convince everyone. I was sharing that with a client today. You're never going to convince everyone. <laughs> Abraham Lincoln said that. We only need to convince 51%, right? At a certain point, when that happens, when the majority, the 51%, you know it says, you know what, enough's enough. I want things back the way they were, or I want to go a different direction. Then we'll see a renaissance, if you will, or a reversal of the values, the morals, the, the fiscal responsibility, because even a government... Folks, even a government cannot have fiscal irresponsibility and overspending indefinitely. One of the reasons Rome fell, one of the most powerful countries in the history of mankind, was too much debt. Okay? That was one of the reasons. There's others. And our government has been consistently spending more than it brings in for about 20 years or so. And it keeps increasing that gap. So it, keep, it keeps increase, increasingly spending more than it receives. You and I both know, as a household, as a business, as an individual, no, none of us, we can, we can spend more than we can earn for a while, and we can borrow and live, live off credit to make up the difference. But eventually, there is a point where the credit runs out. And then we have then you have to pay the piper, so to speak. You pay the price for the overspending, for the excessive spending. Our government will do the same thing if it doesn't rein itself in. That's why I was so 
frustrated by the debt ceiling deal because I had get, had <clears throat> given into some hope that there were enough uh, uh, representatives up there and there was enough leverage for some of that to start to happen. It didn't. They're continuing down this runaway train of fiscal irresponsibility. Unfortunately, eventually, we, the American people, will pay the price for that if we don't reverse that train. The sooner we do, the better, the less it will hurt. The longer we wait, the harder and worse it will get. And for folks, I've heard this too, for folks that are older, for those of you that are older, I don't know when that's going to happen, where we face austerity measures like Greece, for example, or something else. But folks, I want you to understand it could happen next year. You may not be old enough. You may be, you may not, you, some people think, well, I'm old enough. I'm not going to experience it. Well, you may. It could be 10 years. I don't know. But the reality is it needs to be addressed. It needs to be changed. It needs to be fixed. And I have hope at some point it will. But in the meantime, diversify. Minimize your future tax liability. Maximize your liquidity. Maximize your guarantees. Make sure your money's guaranteed so you can take care of opportunities. Money doesn't go away, and then you have the liquidity. Take advantage of opportunities when they come about. And your personal bank will do all those things for you. So contact me. I really encourage you to do so. And as always, stay tuned next week for more great information. As long as it's still on our money, in God we trust. Listen Tuesdays at noon and Saturdays at 1 to the Your Personal Bank Show for more information. Contact Ferrance at 866-268-4422 or yourpersonalbank.com. That's 866-268-4422. This show is designed to provide accurate and authoritative information. The presenter and guests of this program do not engage in legal, accounting, or tax advice. Professional advice regarding your situation should be sought if required. Some products discussed may have limitations and not be available in all states. Excessive unpaid loans may affect performance. Distributions may become taxable if not managed properly. Replacements may not be suitable for everyone. There may be charges when replacing coverage. Dividend rates and bank line of credit rates may change. For current rates, contact Ferrance at 866-268-4422 or yourpersonalbank.com. Again, that's 866-268-4422 or yourpersonalbank.com. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.